Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowe, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We're going to peel back all the Lions' big stories, including the status of the tour, Marcus Smith's call-up, and Alwyn Jones' potential flying out to rejoin the squad in South Africa. Plus, Lazarus. we've got England fullback Freddie Stewart on the show as well. And if you're on TikTok, make sure you check us out. We've got a brand new Rugby Pod account on there as well. And don't forget, make sure you've subscribed to us on Spotify. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How's your week been, boys? England tattoo on display on Sunday night, Jim? Absolutely. Uh, it wasn't. It was an English tulip. Let's get that out there to the public <laughs> domain and to the millions and the masses. bit dusty today, but a good dusty because an air of normality. I say that having shared a beer or 50 responsibly over Sunday. It was a long day. Let's be honest. It was a long build-up, wasn't it, to an 8 o'clock kickoff. And I thought I was hanging. And then I saw the stuff on social media in the build-up. And I saw arguably one of the smallest willies on a fully grown man I've ever seen doing the rounds on social media. And I felt better. I showed Beck and said, this is what real life is like in the public domain, Rebecca. You've been locked up with me for 18 months. But this is what people look like in the real world, Beck. So you're welcome. You should be pleased with how things are going at home. And I'm going on holiday with the lads for a couple of weeks. I put that in there as well. But I was supporting wholeheartedly fully-fledged quarter Englishman I was supporting England of course I was why are people calling me out on social for supporting my beloved England well that's the hatred between Scotland and towards England isn't it so every Scotsman would expect you to hate the English and not support them so I'm surprised you're expecting anything different I'm multilingual Andrew as you know and I support champions Although it didn't come home. Are you Italian this week then, are you? Well, I've had a pizza today. Yeah, of course, in celebration. Uh, I put a song out on Instagram, of course. But let's talk a little bit about the football before we get into the rugby. Andrew, you're a kicker of a ball, or you certainly used to before your ankle was fused and you've had a gastric band. Tell me, (laughs) would you score a pen or would you think you could score one? Would you take one? Because I'm telling you now, and humbly, I would tell you, I'll sit here and say... I'd probably fucking score. If I was in that position, (laughs) the goal is so big. How do you miss? I'm joking, by the way. I would be cacking myself. Andrew, would you put yourself up having kicked a few penalties and conversions in your time? If you were in your heyday, would you have the bollocks? And I've seen them. They are fair play to you. They are big. (laughs) Would you take a pen? In my position, you'd have to because you're the kicker, right? So if you, you try to compare it to... 
you know, rugby, when we've seen a couple of shootouts, haven't we? You know, the, the famous one, Leicester Cardiff years ago, Jordan Crane knocks over the winner. He has a football background. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you feel for those guys because you're either an absolute hero or you're an absolute zero. And, and we've seen some of the abhorrent nature of social media off the back of missing penalties. But I just don't think anyone that hasn't done what those guys have done, put their hands up and, and in front of... 80,000 people at Wembley Avenue was in there. There was about another 100,000 that tried to break in as well. Absolute scumbags. And then the millions watching it around the world. To put your hand up and say, I'm going for that. Fair play. Massive nuts. Best penalty out of the lot was Harry Maguire's, who you're probably thinking is a Jim Hamilton in, of, of uh, you know, football. You know, big, tall. You ain't thinking he's sticking it in the top right corner, are you? Oh, well, I did. As, as soon as he stepped up, I thought... There's a bit of him in me, me and him. <laughs> you add everything, all the pressure, all the um, the eyes on you, the understanding of the nature of it, winning our first, potentially winning our first trophy for 55 years and everything that comes with it. And these kids, you know, you think back to when we were 17 and 19 years of age. Fearless. Mate, you could wipe your ass. And, I, you know, I didn't have a, I was wet behind the ears as well. So would I put my hand up? Of course I would, because that's all I could do was kick a goal. I couldn't do much else on the rugby field. Um, do I think I could score it? Probably not. But I'm honest. I'd probably blaze it over the bar, Chris Waddle style. Talking of honesty, Andrew, have you got sunstroke? Yes or no? Because you look <laughs> like you've got blisters on your forehead. Are you a stereotypical Englishman on holiday? Bold, fat, arrogant, and don't wear sun, but sunscreen or whatever you call it. <laughs> Mate, well, let's set the scene. So I've flown out to Mallorca. We're at a very nice hotel. Lovely holiday. It's 32 degrees. We've been here three days. And my saying is you've got to go red to go brown. I'm sunburned. My head's red. Um, bumped into an old teammate of mine, actually an old skipper of mine, Kai Hortzman, uh, from my days at Worcester. He's in the same hotel as me with his kids. So basically, we went for dinner last night, stuck the iPad on, and we watched the football, and then we were depressed as anything at the end of it. So um, yeah, I mean, uh, yes, I am sunburnt, James. Yes, we are staying in Mallorca. It's not you order the lobster, you get the crab sticks, as you said last week. It's you order lobster, you get three of them. Um, so unfortunately, the football didn't go away last night, and I was down. I was massively down because it's so deflating, isn't it? But you just get the belly out by the pool the next day and, and look around the pool and, and notice that I'm probably in the person around the pool in the best nick. It's not saying much, but they're the scenes at the pool. So, uh, Andrew, in order for you to say that, you must be drunk. Let's be honest if you're saying that. <laughs> Tell us right now, are the budgie smugglers on? Is the camel toe out? Or are you wearing baggy Bermuda shorts as well, which when you go into the water, they come out leaking of water and leaking of germs. What are you wearing? Is the camel toe on show? Uh, it probably is through, but not through budgie smugglers. I did think about bringing the budgie smugglers uh, and sticking them on around the pool. Your face on my ass is not a pretty sight, is it, Jim? So uh, yeah, I've I've gone. I didn't want to embarrass the kids. Uh, I'm just in my shorts and just keeping just below shoulder height in the pool so that the no one can see the belly. But there we go. Well, let's talk about the rugby now then, and start with the British and Irish Lions tour. The Lions. They played the Sharks twice since the last podcast after positive COVID tests meant that they couldn't face the Bulls. There have been over 20 cases in the Springbok camp and their game against Georgia was cancelled. Sir Khaleesi is among the latest to test positive just two weeks before the first test. And there are political riots in some of the cities with the military being deployed and people killed on the streets. It's not a pretty picture, is it, lads? No, it's not looking pretty. And you don't want to be too negative about it and you don't want to compare the hysteria of the Euros and you don't want to compare the lead-up to the Lions being so good to what we've seen now. I feel for them. You know, listening to Warren Gatland talking about 
how difficult a week it's been. Them not knowing who they were going to play Wednesday. We know they're playing South Africa A, which looks like it's going to be class. 20 cases plus in the South Africa camp, mixed between players and coaches. Sia Khaleesi, the captain. Uh, the fact that they've had one game against Georgia, which speaking to John Smith last week was just a bit of a training run for them. The fact that their coach is self-isolating, Razi Erasmus is coming back into coach the team, which is obviously okay. Uh, I'm sure they'll get through that. But it's a worry that this is the thing. I mean, looking at how COVID acts and what we know from over here and what we've seen through other teams, I don't know how we're going to see a conclusion of this tour. And there's other stuff that's come out today, and I think we can chat about the game against the uh, the Sharks and how well fronted up they were, especially for the first half. But it's just such an unknown the next few weeks. We are less than two weeks away from the first test. And I'll tell you what, up until today, when I saw the team announced for the South Africa A, I weren't that interested. But now seeing that team that they're going to put out, I'm thinking, actually, as Razi Erasmus said, if they're in an even tighter bubble than they were, I thought they were in the tightest bubble possible in the lead event anyway. But Razi said they're in the tightest of tightest bubbles. We know the Lions are in a tight bubble. And Gregor Townsend, I presume, is the coach with COVID because he's not been at the matches. I don't know if it's been confirmed. I don't want to say someone's got COVID when they haven't. But... I'm putting five and five together together and getting 69 and I'm thinking it's Gregor. <laughs> so, I mean, Goody, I don't know what you think about it. I watched that game against the Sharks and I'm just like, what is this all about? But it's not looking pretty at the minute. I just hope that everyone's okay. And you mentioned the lay of the land in South Africa is gnarly. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. And we need a spike of energy or adrenaline and this Wednesday's match might be exactly what we need it must be incredibly difficult for all the players the coaches to to live how they're living at the minute with so much uncertainty and then there's you know i did a piece for rugby pass last week saying move heaven heaven and earth just to bring the test match series back to the uk and play it somewhere you know twickenham's free whatever logistically obviously there's going to be loads of issues around it but you've got to credit everyone involved with the lions the players the management the coaches they've got a plan and at some point you've got to kind of question is that the right way to go about your business? Just trying to get the test matches done in Cape Town behind closed doors, you know, with not only the, the issue around the pandemic and, and COVID ravaging through the country, but also the political issues that are there at the minute, which are, are fairly, fairly big um, as well. So, yeah, you can only praise the, all the management and players for, for coping with what's been chucked at them. Um, and that counts for the South African players as well in, in their bubble with the amount of positive cases that are coming through and like Jim said them this morning England have lost the the football yesterday uh, so you're a bit down you know and then you're thinking about the Lions tour and there was a bit of negativity around the Lions tour at the weekend because it was playing the Sharks again and it was just shoehorning a fixture in there to, to to play a fixture and they played them three four days before and you kind of like down on that as well but then as Jim said that's Africa A team that ain't no A team is it that is you know, I think there's something like 11 World Cup winners in the starting team. You know, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal side, which is basically an unofficial fourth test. Um, so that's got the juices flowing again. That's what everyone's excited about because, you know, from outside of that Lions camp, we're all sat back here watching it going, it's not that great. Every game pre-test matches, they're going to put 50, 60, 70 points on them because, as we've said the last few weeks, the weakness of those um, South African provinces, the you know, the fact that all the South African boys are in a massive squad in supposedly a tight bubble. So none of them are playing in the provincial games and it's behind closed doors. And, you know, you don't want to beat the same drum every week, but it has been pretty tepid up until this point. But 
the excitement's flown again now with seeing that South Korea side, you know, the fact that it's the best player against Maratoji, you know, you can pick out some of the head-to-heads in that. You know, Faf de Klerk, I, I first saw the team, I was like, no way is that Faf de Klerk and those boys, they're not their first-choice starters. And then you look through and it going, well, obviously what they're trying to do is, is use this as a warm-up game for themselves. And rightly so, they can do that to build into the test series. So, you know, it's still a massive shame that's behind closed doors when you see in the scenes that, you know, with the football and, you know, perhaps hindsight is very easy. Perhaps we should have flipped it to the UK and, you know, or even pushed it back a year. But again, all the issues that we've spoken about previously on the podcast around the World Cup the year after next and how that affects everything if you push the Lions tool back a year. Um, they just thought this was the best plan of action. And when this is the best plan of action and that's the decision taken, you've got to get behind it. And, you know, the the excitement is building again now, seeing that South Korea side coming up against the Lions on Wednesday. And, I, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. Is this a massive administration blowout? Because it's not necessarily hindsight that we're looking at and saying that the tour could have or should have been played in the UK. It seems to me there's been a bit of denial down in South Africa. And again, something we spoke about last week and I mentioned it, whoever I've spoken to personally, whoever we've spoken to on the podcast, the media narrative around it is that I don't know if they were taking it as seriously as us or it's a case of a timing thing where the the wave has come at the worst time, the third wave. uh, And obviously we know that we're coming out of it now, whatever coming out of it means in terms of being vaccinated or in terms of just getting on with it because we have to. And I, the the timing of this just doesn't fit, does it? It just doesn't work. So again, like Goody says, it's easy to say in hindsight, but there's absolutely no doubt about it. It is, an, it is a significantly diluted series, both from a Lions perspective and a South Africa perspective. The enjoyment that both the teams will get out of it is significantly diluted. The experience, I'm sure, is still very good. Like, you know, you see the joy of the Lions players wearing the red jersey, you know, when they're scoring tries and some of the performances that we've seen. But ultimately, the vulgarities of it and the vulgarities of sport and life is money, clearly. Because if you're looking at it now and saying, right, should this tour be played right here, right now? The answer is no. It is absolutely, no, it shouldn't be played. You're looking at it now, you're like, how and why is it being played? And we don't want to be too down on it. I'm working in and around it. I've got loads of stuff, activations myself, working um, to talk it up and talk the series up. And I'm sure after the game on Wednesday, if more South Africans have a clean bill of health, there's no more COVID cases and we get to see a test series in less than two weeks' time, it could all change. But if you're asking right here, right now, should we see this unfold the answer is clear for everyone to see. It shouldn't be happening. But it is because of the money, the sponsors, whoever's controlling that, you know, Sky Sports, the money that they've got, Super Sports, the headline sponsors, the partners. There's so many different layers that I don't think it's as simple as we know as moving it to next year or delaying it two or three months and bringing it over here. So I think we've got to try and find the positives out of what's in front of us. It changes every day. You know, I saw Warren Gatler's interview just to go back to it. You can see he's just like, don't know. Razzie's asked if they can play another game against South Africa right at the weekend. So you play on a Wednesday and a Saturday. Gats has said no. It's just like, who knows? And to go into a tour as the world champions, to go in the tour as the British and Irish Lions, to go into one of the highest profile tournaments, which is a British and Irish Lions series, saying we don't really know, is obviously 
part of the times that we're in, but also it makes you question then why. Thank goodness that South Korea have put a hell of a team out because that, you know, that is going to provide a, a decent spike for, of interest this week and, and then hopefully the COVID cases aren't as, as high moving forward and, and people are recovering and, and you know we get to see a test series. Looking at what's been going on on the field, the two games against the Sharks, in terms of test selection, do you think we've learned anything? All I'm thinking, Andrew, looking at that, is how good some of the backs are. And again, going back to the conversation with John Smith last week, they're thinking about the forwards. Yeah. And the issue that you have against no disrespect to the Sharks, well, maybe it's disrespectful. This hasn't been a test up front really, has there, around scrum and around lineup, just naturally just because of the quality of opposition and especially at the top, top end of world class, you need to be tested and they haven't really. So I think the headlines out of that Sharks game, especially the second one, was the back three, how are you going to choose that between Duan van der Merwe, Anthony Watson, who were both incredible again at the weekend, Liam Williams, Josh Adams with what he's doing, Lewis Rees-Sam is going to get a shot again this Wednesday. But I think we will know more after this Wednesday because you look at that South Africa A team, kits off, get your kit off. You know, you've got Ebenezer Beth Mostar, two guys that could, would, might, probably will start for the Springboks. You know, Peter Steff de Toy and Jasper Visa. Now you're going to get a proper test. You've got Malcolm, a test. You're going to get, you've got Malcolm Marks on the bench. You've got Vincent Cock. So now you've got a real test to see who who's going to potentially play. So would the Lions, this is the question, have changed their team if they knew that South Africa A were going to put this team out? Because really, how do you pick combinations when you're putting 60, 70 points on a team? I don't like how, when you're not really tested, you know, Chris Harris looked brilliant at 12 against a team you put 70 points on. Mate, you scored a hat-trick against India, didn't you, Jim, back in the day? And if you're picking that, so if you're picking a Lions tour, having watched that game, I'm there, I'm captain, I'm probably the fucking coach as well. So <laughs> I reckon deep down Gatlin's well happy seeing this because it's almost like from a South Africa perspective, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So yeah. if the Lions win, then there's going to be some reverse psychology around that. If the Lions lose it gets them up to the standard mentally of knowing in under two weeks' time how hard it's going to really be. Because there was parts of that Sharks game where they were getting done physically. But again, as players, you've just put 60 points on them the week before. Some of them are backing up again. So, you know, they've got two or three days rest, which I don't think they should be doing anyway. I've always said that. I think seven days should be the bare minimum between a professional rugby match, especially at this level as well on a Lions tour. So... I think we'll know more at the weekend because I don't think the centres, Andrew, are they know who they are. You know, Bundiaki, Chris Harris has now thrown himself into the mix. The back three, who knows? I think speaking to a few people, they think the front row is going to be set with Sutherland and Jamie George and, and Ty Furlong. I'm not too sure. Ian Henderson at the weekend with Marutoji, you could arguably say they're maybe the front runners to start in that position. Falatau at eight, hasn't played that well, but it's Falatau. So I think we're going to know more and that's why I'm excited, like, like Goody said, about this game at the weekend because not only is it going to be a stern test, the Lions could lose it and I think that that's just going to add more fuel to the fire. Yeah, I mean, there's other chats around Niggles in the group as well. You know, Stuart Hogg hasn't played for a while now, has he? Um, he's obviously got some sort of niggle. You know, Anthony Watson was brilliant against the Sharks. He's now moving to fullback. Um, you know, Henshaw's out injured as well. We're waiting to see what happens to him. You know, Finn Russell, we'll see Marcus Smith get called up, which I, I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. Um, 
you, you know, so there's there's obviously a, a lot of little niggles in the background that are obviously Gats understands them all. They're not out in the press. They're not clearly being um, spoken about. Uh, you know, it's all sort of kept a little bit cloak and dagger at the minute, which is which is fine because they're in a bubble and they've got to stay tight and they don't want to release too much information. But we're as pundits and as fans and everything that we all are, we're trying to pick where we see combinations. I think Bundyaki starts at 12 at the minute. Connor Murray starts at nine. If you're looking along the back line, bigger, you know, I think he starts at 10 at the minute. Um, it's interesting. Farrell's not even on the bench on, on Wednesday. Um, you know, are they trying to keep Farrell back for a test match now because Finn's out and Marcus Smith's going to fly in? You know, so many questions that we're all as fans and pundits trying to piece together. Um, Gats knows. And, I, you know, I think you'll start to see the combination of 9, 10 and 12 on Wednesday night, um, you know, could be the 9, 10 and 12. And for me, it's going to be the 9, 10 and 12 that starts the first test. Um, so as Jim said, massive test, first real test, especially up front. Um, and there'll be a lot clearer picture after Wednesday night's game. We touched on it there, Goody. Marcus Smith being called up to the squad to cover Finn Russell, and the news broke while he was on the pitch for England against Canada. How'd you make of? Would you make of the the way he found out? It's amazing, isn't it? You know, listen. When you're and I've been part of these tours when the Lions series have gone on, and you're playing for England. You know, I was in Argentina one year. Um, I was in Canada another year um, for, for different Lions tours. And you sat there, you know, one year I was on standby. Um, but for Marcus Smith, let's not forget, that's his second cap. So he's come off an unbelievable end of the season. You know, obviously, we've spoken about it on here, the comeback game in the semi-final, then they win the final. He's been instrumental in everything Quinns were excellent at over the last three or four months of the season. And he, it's like he is a seasoned international the way he's been playing. Then he gets his shot with England, plays really well in the first test, backs it up again against Canada, and he gets announced to be on the Lions tour to come in as injury cover for Finn Russell while the game's going on. Richard Hill, you know, they hook him off, don't they, in the test match against Canada. And Richard Hill's like, mate, you've been pulled off because you go on the Lions tour. Can you imagine? No one can imagine that feeling in the world, can you? Just an amazing feeling for him. Fully deserved. You know, there's a lot of question marks coming out of Ireland why wasn't it Johnny Sexton you know surely he's next in line but if you pick out a 10 that has done everything that's been asked of him over the last how many weeks who's in form you know he's won the premiership he's then played for England he's you know banging form for his club and country and not just half decent form like proper top end form international level form in his club team just remember, as much as I've got respect for Johnny Sexton, he hasn't played rugby since the middle of April, apparently. You know, that was one of his last games. So it's not even a question of, of thinking is Sexton in, in with a chance of getting picked because he hasn't played rugby for two months, at least two months, nearly three months, isn't it? So you sat there thinking it's it's an, it's actually quite, I don't want to, it's quite an obvious selection for me. And Jim's spoken about it. And I, I saw there were some messages on social media, people saying Jim and Goody know, because we've spoken about it on here, haven't we, that he's next in line. And, Jim's the oracle, and if what Jim says goes, and Marcus Smith, you know, he'd be buzzing to get out there. Who knows? You never know. He might kick the winner in the third test to win us the series behind closed doors. But what a story! You can make a movie out of that stuff, couldn't you? It was me chatting to my mentor over a glass of wine. He was with the British and Irish Lions tour. I was doing a quiz night for the British and Irish Lions with some of their commercial sponsors, and Gats was getting my opinion on who was next in line, and I says, "Well." Goody was in the swimming pool with Johnny Sexton. Johnny Sexton said he hates me. It's Marcus Smith all day long because it's <laughs> it's Harlequins till we die, Gats. So he speaks really highly of him. I think it's what's interesting as well. Producer Tim was telling us that Eddie Jones knew the night before and didn't want to put it forward to him. Of course not. 
We heard as he was playing in the match, obviously, uh, we saw on social media at halftime, the commentators got wind of it a couple of minutes into the second half. Marcus Smith didn't know. So we're watching the team run against Canada and he's carving up. Of course he is. The whole of the England team are. They looked brilliant and they pull him off and like we saw the scenes on social. That's what it's about, right? That's what dreams are made of. Like you're looking at that, I'm watching that and thinking, fair play to you, mate. You're a player that has put on a show all season, young lad, not been picked for England, arguably should have been picked for England in some kind of capacity. You put in performances like that. Like you said, Goody, he's won the Prem. He's now got a second cap for England. Imagine how happy you'll be. Imagine. And he spoke really well. He spoke with his heart on his sleeve. And it was awesome seeing the England lads when he was on TV all behind him, chanting Lions and Big Jim, it's coming home. So that was all on the TV. And... uh, yeah, and I suppose that that's what sport is. You know, we're talking about it. We, took, we you know, spoke about the Euros. We spoke about the romance of the Lions. And stories like Marcus Smith is one of them that we all love to see. The big thing for him now is getting an opportunity. Personally, I hope Finn isn't as bad as it says. An Achilles tear, however minor, ain't great. Yeah, it's not, not great. So I think watch this space. I, I can't see Finn staying. If that is the case, they'll keep him there because it's Finn Russell. But yeah, all credit goes to Marcus Smith, his teammates, Quinns, and I've said it again, Quinns, and obviously England as well. And in the other big news, Alan Wynne-Jones is training again, so he might even be flying out. I think, Jim, when he popped his shoulder against Japan, you, you probably said his career was over pretty much, didn't you? Only because I knew that he'd want to, pro- he'd want to prove me wrong. So I'm almost like a motivator. So I've said that thinking he's listened to this. He wants to prove me wrong yet again. What's he done, Andrew? He's going to be flying out in a couple of days back to South Africa, hopefully, because it'll have a massive uplift for the, for the squad. But, mate, Lazarus, what a recovery. I've just kept my shoulder. I've had shoulder issues all my career. I've had two shoulder reconstructions each side, which equals four. You know, so I'm thinking, was it dis... I'm questioning him here. The medic in me is questioning. Did he, he can't have dislocated it fully, is what I'm saying. He must have like he must have just popped in or slipped or whatever, because... Well, it's Alan Wynne-Jones. He probably did. It probably popped out through the skin, and he's popped it back in, and he's back. Only positives by having him go out there. I don't know how scared South Africa will be, knowing that he was injured, but I think the boost it will give the Lions squad, uh, the management team, do you know what I mean? Like Warren Gatland, obviously a big fan of him. He's a British and Irish Lion legend. Um, So it can only be positive. My worry is though, is if Ebenezer Beth is running at him with that big arm of his, one of them's a bit smaller now because he had a shoulder problem himself and it's still double the size of my leg but it's nonetheless it's smaller than the other one but if he's running down his channel is Alan Wynne-Jones going to be able to put him into next week like Jim Hamilton from 2012 I don't know (laughs) is what I'm saying but I hope it does happen well away from South Africa and the Lions now England thrash Canada 70-14 at Twickenham what'd you make of that performance Gertie? There's obviously some standout sort of moments in the game, you know, hat trick for Radwan, uh, you know, Freddie Stewart at fullback, Marcus Smith, obviously, Harry Randall, uh, and I'm just talking about the backs really now at nine, you know, have really shone in this jersey over the last couple of weeks, and especially against Canada. You know, I don't want to be horrible, and I said it about Canada last week, you know, they got humped by uh, a Wales change up team as well. I didn't expect 70 points, but you know, some of the boys and some of the youngsters that are banging form, you know, gelled together by a bit of experience. Henry Slade obviously went pretty well. You know, it was it was a training run. There were 16 new caps over the last two weeks. How many of those do you think will be in the squad for the Autumn Internationals in the 2022 Six Nations when everyone's available? Oh, I am not going to second guess Eddie Jones. 
I was happy to see Don Brandt in, Alex Don Brandt. Um, for me, he's got a real opportunity in that eight spot, obviously, with uh, Billy not being in the form that he was and Don Brandt in probably a similar kind of mould, arguably a little bit more athletic. And Sam Simmons, you know, could you play him at six as well and that give you that option? But yeah, I was happy to see uh, Don Brandt playing for the first time. Harry Wells as well. I didn't speak about him before, but the back end of the season for Leicester under Steve Borthwick and the stuff that he gets up to around the malls, the rooks, the kind of old school dark arts. I've been impressed with him. I, you know, potential for him, but I think more so is going to be the backs, isn't it? Like what backs can come through, you know, Thokona Singer, is he going to be able to take it up to the next level? There was talk of him a couple of years ago. He's still a young lad. Um, Dan Kelly, I thought, was good at 12 as well. And Radwan, you know, my goodness me. Uh, first Egyptian, Andrew, there's a stat to play for England. Do you think quite a few of them will be one-cat wonders or do you think we'll, we'll see more of most of them? Why are you being horrible saying some of them are going to be one-cat wonders, two-cat wonders? It's just horrible, that is. They've played for their country. Uh, but yeah, I think some of them will be. Um, I don't want... <laughs> I don't mean to be horrible. You, you know, you take Jamie Blameyer, who has scored a hat-trick. He's the second hooker for Donkey's years to do it. Jamie George did it as well. But you bring Jamie George into the picture. We've got Jamie George, Luke Cowan Dickey um, on the Lions tour. Um, and, and then you think, what is next underneath that? So for some boys, you know, they've definitely put their hand up. You know, you expect the likes of Marcus Smith, Harry Randall, they're going to be continuing involved now. Freddie Stewart as well, potentially. Cock and a Singer back in the mix. But there are going to be guys that, you know, they're going to have to wait a long time uh, to get back in the mix again. But that's the nature of it, isn't it? You know, you want a competitive squad. As Jim said, that, you know, the future is rosy for England with, with all these youngsters coming through. But you get back to the, the autumn and Eddie's got everyone to pick from. You know, those Saracens boys are back in the Premiership. You know, there'll be injury issues from the Lions tour, etc. There's always that knock-on effect of a Lions tour. So, you know, you just want to see a squad evolve and, and these youngsters be given a chance. But some of them will ultimately, with the depth that we've got in England, um, you know, not be seen for a while again. But their challenge will be go back to their club, continue to improve and, and, and show Eddie that they're ready whenever there are opportunities. What do you think Eddie has learned over these two games? That he's got a pool of young players that are gifted, that the USA and Canada are a long way away from where they need to be. I suppose it's been an easy two or three weeks for Eddie Jones, hasn't it? An easy four weeks that they've been in camp. And I bet he's probably really enjoyed it. You know, you've got a load of young lads who are receptive to coaching. They genuinely looked like they were loving life, didn't they? And I think that that brings it back to how high pressure rugby can be. And sometimes it's difficult to really, really enjoy it because of the high pressure games that you're in, the environments that you're in. But they were just loving life, weren't they? So I imagine he got some real enjoyment out of that. The big thing is going to be for England, like Goody's mentioned, they were poor in the Six Nations. Eddie Jones, let's go back to it, was was being questioned uh, whether or not he was the right man, whether or not the players were the right players. It's almost like they've got a clean piece of paper now where he can draw up a squad. He can argue that he wants to bring youngsters in when the autumn tests come back around and they'll be properly challenged by the Southern Hemisphere teams. I'd like to see Eddie Jones. I know he said that premiership form doesn't matter. I want to see him pick on form. You can't have lads not playing well internationally and keep picking them because you like them. Like, I just don't think it works. But again, it's his prerogative. You know, the Lions tour is obviously taking over the narrative, taking over everything at the minute. And he's probably quite happy, I reckon, to go under the radar and 
fly over in his bubble to Japan and coach and then fly back round to America and coach and then go see <laughs> Bernard Barrett's family on the way back through to England. What a lucky man. Well, we can have a chat now with a man who's taken his England opportunity with both hands over the past couple of weeks. Leicester and England fullback Freddie Stewart joins us. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Not too bad, thank you. Just um, just got home after the football last night in camp. So, yeah, in good spirits. Well, until obviously we lost, but other than that, no happy days. Hey, Freddie, you've come a long way. Let's get it out there. I was watching you a couple of years ago when I was down at Leicester filming the documentary there. You were about 12 or 13 at the time. Um, you've come a long way, mate. How does it feel? Yeah, it's. Um, I think the whole the whole last year, two years, really, has just been been a bit surreal. Um, it's been a, a bit of a roller coaster. Um, meeting you, Jim, when you filmed the documentary, I think that was two years ago. Now, from there onwards, it's just been it's been mental. So, um, yeah, really, just loved every minute of it, and um, just want to keep going. And we saw Eddie Jones was at the one of the last games that you lads played. It might have been against Montpellier in the final, actually. Um, he was sat there on his phone, probably listening to the podcast as well at the same time, just wondering <laughs> who he should pick. But like, how's it all come about? I mean, there is obviously a void in the in the fifteen shirt uh, for England. A lot of people have spoken about it. Not too sure who's going to fill that position. You have been standout for Leicester. You're a young lad coming through the system. You're a big lad under the high ball. All these kind of core skills that you need, or I think you need. I'm just watching it. I sound like I know what I'm talking about. But how's it how has it come around for you? Because Eddie was obviously there at the back end of the season. We knew that there'd be some younger lads coming into the fold how were your conversations in the lead up to that was it kind of you knew there was an opportunity or did it come as a bit of a shock um well the summer the summer tour was always something I wanted to target um especially when I started you know playing at playing at 15 a bit in the season and and, and getting picked by Steve you know that was then the the focus and looking at that England stuff and there wasn't really much much contact didn't really hear anything just just wanted to, to to try and you know let the let the rugby do the talking and then um, fortunately enough got got the call and um, from there on it was into camp so um, it was a bit of a surprise actually it was definitely something I targeted but um, it, it did come as a bit of a surprise when when the call came and how has the camp been because um, I know we'll come on to the games in a minute and you've dominated over the last two weeks but being in camp for four weeks you know we've seen what's going on in South Africa with the COVID bubbles and how tough that is for players um, and you know the England squad was a, a bunch of youngsters kind of thrown together. From from all different clubs without much history of playing together you want to get to know each other you want to really live in each other's pockets and and, and learn about each other so how, how was it for you in terms of the bubble I'm sure you must have done a load of social things together socially distanced and COVID secure obviously but um, was it tough was it interesting was it how was it getting to know each other um, I think to be fair credit to the lads I think a lot of us came in and it was our first camp so I think everyone was sort of in the same boat which was quite nice um, and everyone came with an open mind it was great to meet all the other lads um, we had plenty of social space and played lots of pool throughout the week made some great connections over that four weeks and it feels genuinely feels like we've been in there for a couple of months I'm amazed it's only been four weeks it's um, it felt like an age um, but the lads have all bonded really well. We, you know, we did some good activity, team activities and um, stuck in our bubble and it was happy days. And Freddie, I'm trying to look back on your career. Obviously, it's been a year, 18 months, two years, how long we've been in this kind of process. Obviously, at the weekend, there was fans in the stadium, your family. Have your family seen you play professional rugby much or not? Um, no, they actually haven't. So I think I played, must have played five or six games before the COVID stuff really kicked off. So they must have seen one or two or three games, but not really any proper stuff. So um, I'm a granddad who's not seen me play professional before. He's, he's always wanted to see me play. And he actually got to come watch the England game as well. So that was a really special moment to have him there um, with the folks as well. So it was actually, yeah, quite an emotional day. Um, I think I had to look away for a little bit because I was getting slightly emotional, but um, it was really special to have them there, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you look at the two games, Freddie, as well. No disrespect to the opposition. It's probably whether or not you lads believe it or not. Maybe it's because I made my debut for Scotland against Romania. I don't know if you saw it. Um, but uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's a kind of easing your way into international rugby is what I'm trying to say. So you know you're going to get some touches of the ball. You know it's not going to be a real high-pressure environment. And not that we've seen many horror stories out there of lads being picked on the biggest stage and it not going well. But I think it's quite nice for some of you young lads to get a taste for it on the front foot, getting the ball in hand. Like, how was it? How was it playing for England? Because a lot of people watch this or listen to it and be like, yeah. a young lad, you know, 20 years old or, or, or whatever you are, it's a young age to, to be making a debut. And they'll be like, what's it like? What was it like playing for England? I think the best bit was was getting to the stadium, really, and that whole experience of getting off the bus and, and you know, taking it all in. Because I've only been to Twickenham once before, so that was... Um, I needed a couple of minutes just to be like right, I'm here, I'm, I'm about to play for England, you know, it was a bit bit, bit surreal. And then to be honest, mate, in the game, one, once the, the first whistle went, it, it, was, it went by like a flash. I think once that, that whistle goes, you're sort of so absorbed in the rugby in the game, you sort of forget about the occasion and you forget about the situation, which I think is good because it, it sort of keeps that distraction away. And then obviously it um, had some really, really great like front football. Like you play with the likes of Harry Randall, Marcus Smith, it's... <laughs> It's you know they make it so easy for everyone else, so it's great to experience you know, play with new players and and getting over line with the wins. Go back to when I played for England. The Leicester lads generally just congregated together and sat at dinner together. Um, you've gone into your first England camp. I know there's you know uh, numerous Tigers in the squad as well. But did you try and make a conscious effort to go and mingle with lads from other clubs? Is there anyone that you got on particularly well with? I know Eddie Jones likes to break up little cliques and he wants people to mingle. Um, must have been good getting to know other lads from other clubs as well. Yeah, the the Newcastle lads are probably the lads um, associated with the most, especially Adam Radwan. He's a bit of a bit of a practical joker, um, quickest bloke I've ever seen. Genuinely, that man is is lightning. I'm not looking forward to coming up against him this season. I tell you that. Um, but no, he's he's a he's a top lad. Um, there's some good lads there, and then and then Mitch as well from Saints. He's a top lad and Ferb. So yeah, there was loads of socialising. I think Eddie made it very clear from the start, you know, not to go in and and just sit with our, our team members and stuff. So I think the boys all bought in and, and socialised. So I made loads of loads of new mates. I've got a new mate as well. I've been texting Adam Radwan today. He's on the train back up to Newcastle. So we were going to get you both on, Freddie, and he said he couldn't. I says, well, let's have a FaceTime tomorrow. You can meet the kids and we can just talk about how good it is being quick. So no, he was class. I think yeah. one thing that I really enjoyed watching around it, and I, there was a few moments, but more the headline moment was when obviously Marcus Smith got called up for the Lions. He's being interviewed at the end and you lads are all behind him cheering. It seems like there's a real young nucleus group of players that are just loving being there. Do you know what I mean? Because I think you look at the England team and you yeah. don't need to answer this. Me and Goody have spoken about it. It's always been a bit stale, right? And whatever's gone has gone and it's all about the future. It seems like in a short space of time, everyone's got so tight, whether or not that's the Euros or whatever, but everyone just seems so happy for Marcus Smith. Like, how would he have dealt with that? Is he quite a humble guy? Is he, um, does he like like to take the lead? I mean, is he one of the lads? What, how was all that happening? Yeah, so Marcus is a top guy. And I think that that's what happened at the end there is just testament to how how close and, you know, how, how much of a unit we were by the end of that four weeks. Because it's, it's not a long time, but because we're sort of with each other twenty four seven, you just develop those relationships so much, so much quicker. Um, and Marcus is he's, he's a true professional. Right? He's a he, he's a good lad. He knows when to joke around. He knows when he's when he's switched on, um, and he's a leader. So 
like for him to get to get called up to the Lions, we didn't find out till till after the final whistle. And I think, yeah, like when when we all went over to clap him and cheer for him, that just shows how much it, it not only meant to him but to all of us as well to see that. Yeah, he fully deserves to be on there. His performances over the last few weeks, uh, back end of the Premiership, and obviously these two weeks with England have been phenomenal, which you boys have certainly played a part in. Um, talk to me then about post match because. You know, I know you played the USA last week. It was your first cap. It was a short turnaround before playing Canada this week. Did you ever get a chance to share a few beers with a few of the lads? I know we're in COVID times and it's difficult to do that with the bubbles, etc. But um, did you manage to watch the football together? It was a bit of fun had after the two-game series and get to know each other, let your hair down a little bit and have some fun? Yes, yeah, we um, we got a we got a pub booked out in London, so the boys were all down there last night watching the football together, which was a, which was good fun. Obviously, until until the penalty shootout, but um, yeah, we managed to. It, we we struggled obviously after the USA game because we're in our COVID bubble and stuff. There's not really that much we can get up to. Um, so I think it was nice for the lads, obviously, with the off season now, just to have a, a big blowout um, down there. So that was good fun. Just a shame <laughs> England can get over the line. And first cap initiations, we had to sing a song on the bus on the way back from your first test. Is there anything that you boys had to do? Did you sing a song? What did you get up to? I did. I had to sing a song and I sang Southgate, You're the One. Yes. And the reason I'm wearing this cap, Goody, is because, I don't know if you can see, but... Yeah, look at that. How terrible was that? What is it? Well, in the in the camp I had a bet with Gabs. We were a weird one actually. We were doing some axe throwing. It was just like a team team activity. And he'd stuck three in the balls on. I said, There's no way you're getting a fourth in there. There was about a, a space that tight. And I said, if you do it, I'll go, I'll buzz cut, go blonde. And he's managed to somehow squeeze it in. So I, I made sure I waited till after the um after the games. Um, because I don't want to go out there and embarrass myself. But yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it is terrible. Um it, it needs to grow out. <laughs> I think it looks all right myself. I mean, you're talking to two guys here that would never, well, I shaved my head once and nearly never came back. Goody shaved it when he had it, uh, had it weeded or whatever you call it. You call it knitted or weeded. What do they call it? Weave, Jim. Yeah, Freddie's looking. He's got no idea what that is. <laughs> You've got the skinhead. You dyed it blonde. Straight down Magaloff, yeah. is it? Or is it Ibiza? Or what, what does the pro baller do these days? We haven't actually booked anything yet. I think there's there's rumours of Ibiza in the air with a few of the lads that have got some time off as well. So I uh, might head out there with a few of the boys, but we're just waiting on all the, all the government advice to see what we can actually um, get up to. But that's the, that's the plan. Just let me know, mate. I'll bring, I, hey, I'll bring the little <laughs> bum bag with me. Uh, Freddie, before you go, um, I just need to get this on record. We never spoke about it when I was at Leicester uh, filming you guys. It was obviously all professional. Yeah. Did you ever see my hat-trick against India? Yes or no? Has that ever been shown on the highlights of the archives? Yes, many a time, Jim. Many a time. Goody, I told you. <laughs> that was just when you were rocking up in the car park going, I used to play for Tigers. You got the video out and you're showing the lads. Mate, the second row that you played against, Jim, for India was about three foot tall. It was a Bollywood star. Uh, Freddie, off the back of that then quickly before you go, um, obviously Leicester had huge success when you were about three years old, uh, back in the day, back in the glory days. It is, a, from my perspective, yeah. and I don't want to speak for Goody, but I know he feels the same. To see you lads climbing back up the table and that kind of old school DNA. Do you remember anything about Leicester or not? Is there anything that kind of that sticks out? You know, Tim Stimpson, Goody kicking goals, that kind of forward pack. Do you have that or is it kind of moved on now where it's a kind of a new school, if that's even a saying? No, I think there's definitely, you know, I was always I was always a Leicester fan growing up. So it's like the, the biggest thing that sticks out, I think, is just that pack brutality and dominance. And I think that's the one thing we've probably brought back this season that's that's helped to sort of climb the table a bit. But there's definitely, we're obviously trying to sort of build something new, but also bring elements of that that successful historic Tigers because the history is so rich. And, um, you know, I think everyone at the club just wants to get back to, back to those golden days. Yeah, they were great days. You were absolutely welcome, Tigers fans. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome as well. Yeah, I was part of that. I was holding the bags. 
<laughs> All right, Freddie. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. Uh, best of luck. Uh, hopefully, we see you in that England shirt again. Plenty more times, I'm sure. You're only 20. You've got plenty, plenty more years ahead of you. Yeah. And uh, enjoy your beta. Will do. Cheers for having me on. Cheers, Freddie. Cheers, Freddie. Good lad, Cheers. mate. Well done, buddy. Top lad. Top lad. I did shoehorn him. Not that I'm anyone to do that. I'm not an agent or anything remotely resembling trying to pick out talent. But him and George Martin were two of the players uh, that I picked out. I was like, these lads go all the way. And <laughs> I was right. Again, not that it's got anything to do with me. Fair play. You know what? I did like the profile of that England team. Uh, no disrespect to the US and Canada. Um, but you, I, I've always said it. I'll say it again. English rugby, the future is bright because you've got guys of that quality, Marcus Smith, Harry Randall, Radwan Mill Wheels, you know, Joe Thocken, a singer who's still about 13, 14 years old and walking through tackles like Jonah Lomond, you don't want to compare players, but he's got that. So I think from an England backline perspective, my goodness me, they're going to be good. And Ireland hammered the USA in Dublin. Did we learn much from that one? No. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, Ireland, we, we know they've got, it was kind of like a, I don't want to be horrible. It's like a Pro 14 game, wasn't it, for for some of the Irish provinces? Let's not forget, USA haven't played since the World Cup either, have they? Um, yeah, obviously they played England the week before, but they've not been in camp. They've not been able to grow as a, as a team. Um, you know, obviously the MLR is going on over there, but it, it's been so difficult for these international teams, especially the Tier Two nations, to actually have a, a competition since the World Cup. They haven't. Uh, and with that, they've got no cohesiveness. They're, they're not gelling as a team. You, you've got players playing all over the place that you're trying to drag into a squad. And it's tough on those two nations, Canada and USA, who have come over and had their pants pulled down. These island boys have been in their provinces. That There's so much talent in, in Ireland at the minute, as we see in the Pro 14. We kind of knew that was going to happen. Um, you know, and they've been improving steadily under Mike Catt and, and, and Andy Farrell. And obviously, Faz is going to go over to the Lions Tour now, as, as we know, and coach and be part of that setup for the test series. So have we learned much about Ireland? Did we expect that result? No, we haven't learned much because we know the, the qualities are there already. Um, and did we expect those results? Yeah, we did because A, the state of the other two nations, but B, the talent that is in Ireland. And, and again, it's similar to the England thing, isn't it? The pool of players that they have got in certain positions is very, very strong. And there is that conveyor belt of players coming through there and their youth system over there is producing quality. So um yeah, the, the future is, is is rosy for England and for Ireland as well. And, and, you know, looking forward to seeing how these players get opportunities further down the line once we get to the Six Nations next year, because that is the next big competition, isn't it? One thing I would like to say, because I don't want to bag the USA and Canada. I know the, the coaches and some of the players that are involved in their setups there. And it's easy to turn around and say, well, they're not good enough. They need exposure to high pressure games, don't they? You look at Fiji probably being the headline one, and how they played against the All Blacks at the weekend. We saw Tonga get 100 points put on them with their second slash third team. In order for rugby to evolve and improve, there needs to be a constant for the USA and Canada and Fiji and Tonga and Samoa and Japan. You know, Argentina, we saw them in the championship, didn't we, when they were playing against New Zealand, Australia and South Africa. They got better. Of course they did, because you have to in these high-pressure games. It's a huge ask to ask the USA and Canada to come over and rock up and play against players that have been playing at such a high level in the Pro 14, in the Prem, regardless if they're the young lads or the second string England team or Ireland team, it's a big ask. And this all comes round about the global calendar and about trying to, 
get everything in line in terms of the tier one and tier two and how that looks. But look, at the minute, it's bloody secondary, isn't it? You know, all I'm thinking about is Ibiza at the minute. I'll be completely honest with you. How I get <laughs> to Mallorca and get my biscuit on top of my head frazzled to fry some eggs on there for the kids to then put them in the kids club. That's all I'm thinking at the minute. But rugby's on, sun's out, guns out and all that. Well, the opposition was much tougher for Wales and they drew 20 all with Argentina despite playing against 14 men for most of the match. And they face each other again this weekend. Do you think Wales, do you think they'll be better off for having faced the Pumas as opposed to England and Ireland facing weaker opposition? Uh, I mean, it's a proper test, isn't it? You know, let's not forget Wales put 60-odd on Canada last week. Um, but yeah, you, you know, it, Argentina again, it's been tough for them. They went, I know they went over to Australia. They beat the All Blacks as well. Um, don't forget that one, Andy Rowe. Um, but again, for, for for these players that are coming over now, how much competition have these Argentina boys played in? Uh, but they are a strong nation. and It's a proper test for Wales. I think Pivak and Stephen Jones and those boys will be quite enjoying the, 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 the stiffer test than what Canada was last week because you've then got a real good feeling. It's, yeah, it's great putting 60 points on a team, but when you win or compete in a proper test match with a lot of your superstars missing, which Wales are, um, you know, and they drew 20 all at the weekend and, you know, ultimately they, they probably should have won because there was a red card, my old head on head again, Jim, as a tackle, just flying in. And people again are saying, oh, it wasn't a red. It's a clear red all day long, that is. But I think the Welsh will be happy that they're blooding some younger players, uh, giving them experience, but also you know, a proper test against a, you know, a, a tier one nation in Argentina that are you know, starting to become big boys of world rugby again. Well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, let's start off with the good and we're going to mention them actually. Argentina, we just spoke about them then, uh, but they got a 20-all draw with Wales despite getting a red card and playing with 14 men for 50 minutes. So uh, tip the slipper to Argentina for that one. Uh, Jamie George, ex-teammate of yours, Jim. Um, lovely bloke. First England hooker ever to skipper the British and Irish Lions. So he definitely gets a, a shout out in the good this week. Uh, very proud moment for him and his family. And on the theme of hookers, Jim, they're scoring tries for fun. Dane Coles got four for the All Blacks. Ronan Kelleher, he got four for Ireland. Jamie Blamire, he got a hat-trick for England. So hookers scoring tries. How good is that to see? See what I've done there. Oh, well. I don't know if you can do that, but I have. I see what you've done. Uh, I mentioned in the good, also has got to go to the fastest, I reckon he's the fastest, Guy to ever play for England, Adam Radwan, uh, first player to score a hat trick on his international debut since Jeremy Guska in 1989. So, a huge tip of the slipper to Adam Radwan. Silly wheels, all his tries were absolute worldies as well. So, uh, big shout out to him. But he doesn't quite get the goo this week because uh, the romantic in me has got to go back to Jim's favourite club, the Harlequins. They don't get the goo, Jim, but the player that has spearheaded their charge at the back end of the season. He's then gone on to international rugby and taken to that like a duck to water. Marcus Smith, what a few weeks it's been for him. Obviously dominated for Quinns, dominates for England, then gets a call up for the Lions. Marcus Smith, go out there to South Africa, probably kick the winning penalty to win the series in Test 3. You're going to get the good this week for everything you've done over the last few weeks, capped off by a Lions call up. Outstanding stuff. Error. Uh, the bad, uh, a couple of bits of bad, to be honest. Scotland, Jim, we're going to give them a mention in the bad. Not really their fault. Some of it might be, but they've had all their summer fixtures cancelled now because of positive COVID tests after the one with Georgia was called off as well as the ones against Romania and England A. So you've got a feel for the Scots. Training was good, though. Yeah, they train well. They train well, apparently. So that gets a mention in the bad. Um, but the bad this week, it goes to a combined 
couple of countries. North America. We're just going to call it North America this week, Jim, because Canada and the USA, we've said it's tough for them. We mentioned it before. They've not played since the World Cup, but who takes 70 in international rugby? Um, it's not a great look, and you hope that they get some learnings from these pants pulled down. Um, we've certainly seen some teams bounce back from it, but taking 70 in international rugby, unfortunately, Canada and the USA, you have to get the bad this week. You know, we say pants pulled down, skid marks. I genuinely think I saw a jock strap. That's how old school Canada are. I saw a jock strap. <laughs> Maybe they bring that back, Jim. There's no skid marks on a jock strap, is there? Tell the shorts that. Yeah, three bits of ugly this week, and they're all going to get a mention. The first one is Juan Cruz Malia. His red card uh, for the high tackle on Kieran Hardy, head to head contact. Some people say it was a rugby incident, but you've got to go lower. That was pretty ugly. Uh, Rykart Hatting uh, nearly sent off against England last week and was far too upright again this week in his tackle on Ronan Kelleher. So he gets a mention in the ugly. But the ugly this week has got to go to Jaden Hendrickser for his forearm smash to the face of Liam Williams. What are you thinking? There's a million cameras at the game now. There's no place in rugby for thuggism like that, Jim. That was a bit of you, wasn't it, that forearm smash? That's the sort of thing that you'd have done 15 years ago. Exactly, and thought that it was play on. It wasn't. I tweeted saying, crazy red card. People thinking that I've said it was crazy as in shouldn't have been a red card. No, I was saying it in the context of the game. Not that they were going to win it. He was playing really well. Got an intercept try, and I don't know. He's He's gone full 97 there, isn't he? Old school. Old school midweek, someone's having an elbow, um, just completely unwarranted, says me, who is a hypocrite, but I'm happy to say that. <laughs> well, you can look back at it now at your mistakes, Jim, and, and own them. So uh, hopefully Jaden Hendrickson does that as well, and uh, he gets the ugly this week. Thanks, Scooty. You guys got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, big shout-out to a group of 12 guys who are cycling 954 miles from John O'Groats to Land's End on August the 2nd in memory of one of their best mates, Ellis White, who sadly passed away in February. They've raised over 17 grand already for Leicester Hospital's charity, and they're hoping to raise as much as possible to help support them to give the same great care that they gave to Ellis to other people in future. And if you want to help them out, just check out their Just Giving page, which is justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Ellis White 96. I hope that goes well, boys, but hell of an effort. Yeah, I've got a big shout-out to the Grumpy Griffins, a group of people from Strathmore Rugby Club in Scotland. Uh, They're riding Scotland's North Coast 500. Very nice. Let's hope it's not raining. In order to raise funds for Will Ritchie, who was a member of their junior section who had a mountain bike accident and sustained a very serious brain injury. Uh, They set off on Saturday, just gone. They're riding the 500 miles of the North Coast uh, over the course of the week. Keep it up, guys. Big shout out from here. If you want to check out their Just Giving page, it is justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash grumpy griffins willpower if you would like to donate and help them out. Yeah, good luck. And one last shout out as well to everyone at Ulster RFC, not far from the mighty Cov, uh, who are trying to sort things out after the club and grounds were damaged recently by travellers. They set up a GoFundMe page at uk.gofundme.com forward slash f forward slash Alster Rugby Club cleanup mission and are doing their best to get back on their feet. So um, all the best, guys, and I hope you can get the club sorted ASAP. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well and head on over to Spotify, and we'll see you there. Rugby spot. Spotted pod, 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 pod. pod. <laughs>